Their tagline was, life is short, have an affair. What a tagline. It was the rave. The list was coming out and everyone was talking about it. If they knew anybody that was on the list, they were whispering. Maybe they were shouting. The list that had been hacked was the list of members of a website named Ashley Madison. And Ashley Madison's tagline, as I stated, was life is short, have an affair. The list, once public, devastated people, devastated families. It even cost lives. Jobs were lost, marriages were broken. Two examples. One, a professor at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary's name was found on the list. Six days after the list went public, he committed suicide. There is that side of it, and then there is another side of it. A, a man I know personally, his name was on the list, and his statement after the list becoming public to a number of people, not just a small few or family members, is, what's the big deal? My name's on the list. What's the big deal that I was entertaining and I was participating in this activity? I would say that that is the spectrum of possibilities of how one would respond when the list went public. But I would also argue this morning that neither one of those responses, the extreme of committing suicide over a name, an action, or flippantly, nonchalantly, just casting off the whole episode. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30. We are going to see Jesus' response to a subject that our culture is inundated with. Our lives, our families come across it every single day. That of lust and adultery. Before I read for us Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 down through verse 30, let me state three statements. The first, sexual sin is different than other sin. Sexual sin is different than other sin. What I mean by that is this. In 1 Corinthians, it states that sexual sin is committed against yourself. Paul tells the people in Corinth that 
if you sin sexually, you are sinning against yourself. Sexual sin in that way is different than other sin. Second statement. No one in this room, no one in this room is above anyone that was on a list or that might be on any list, any site, have any affair, have any addiction, including sexual addiction or sexual sin. No one is above anyone else in that matter. Every single one in this room can easily find ourselves there. Third, if you don't get anything else out of the message, and I hope that you do, but if you don't get anything else out of the message, please get this point. Please remember, whenever God says no, whenever God says no to something, It is because He knows best what you need and what is best. Period. When He says no, it is for your, it is for my, it is for our good. Remember that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 down through verse 30. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Pause right there. Exodus chapter 20 verse 14. Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 18. Those two times, verbatim, those words were spoken. Those words were written. Every single Jew in the whole... Maybe there were some fringes that it didn't happen, but every Jew, the majority of the Jews in their culture, they knew the law. If they didn't know anything else, they knew the law. Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 18, those words are stated. You shall not commit adultery. Verse 28, but I say to you, I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You could have heard a pin drop on that mountainside when he stated that. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, strong words in this passage. Father, strong words that you 
desired to get across to a first century audience that you have saved for us in the 21st century, that you desire the same intention, you desire the same focus, you desire the same understanding today as you did then, Jesus. Thank you for having the very best for us. Thank you for knowing what is best and putting up guardrails so that we might enjoy. We might enjoy your gifts. Father, may may the words that are spoken this morning, may, may they be spoken in love. May they be spoken with passion. Father, may they be spoken in truth. But God, may we all remember that you know what's best, that none of us are above this action, this sin. Father, that you give victory. May we see that. May May we not just see the condemnation. May we not just see the statement, you shall not commit adultery. But Father, would you give us victory over these items? over this sin that we find ourselves inundated with so often. God, would you speak this morning, I pray, in Christ's name, amen. Three points from this portion of the Sermon on the Mount. The first is this, the law is stated clearly. The law is stated clearly. I, I told you the two verses that it is stated multiple times in the Old Testament, you shall not commit adultery, period, bold, typeface, don't do it Jews, don't do it Gentiles, you shall not commit adultery. Everyone in the audience more than likely had heard that statement. That wasn't earth shattering. Everyone in the audience might have, they might have a person, an individual, man or woman, more likely a woman, but but they might have an individual in their mind as Jesus was stating that, and they say, oh yeah, don't be like him, don't be like her, I'm not like him, I'm not like her, and I'm thankful that I'm not like him or her. But as with the pericope, the paragraph, the portion of Scripture right before this, the issue that Jesus is bringing up is not just an outward action of adultery. He is trying and is getting to the root of the sin. It's not that this culture or these individuals had a misunderstanding of the outward act of adultery. Jesus is not trying to to say that this act is okay. He is also not saying that the act of adultery is unforgivable. Jesus states the law concerning adultery and he hits it at its origin. Sin starts in the heart. And that's where Jesus 
is mining. It's Thursday afternoon. We are going down the Flathead River this past Thursday, and our guide, Forrest, kind of looked like Forrest Gump after he had run across the country two or three times with his hair and his beard. Forrest was in the big raft, and my father and my son thought it would be great for those of us who wanted to or not that we would be in small little inflatable dinghy kayaks behind the big raft going down the Flathead River. My father and son and my daughter last year did this exact trip. And I said, well, I've got to go in this small dinghy. I'm a man. The river is running at 33,000. Thousand something another's a second going past a particular spot in the river, which means this it's moving fast. It's pretty deep, too, compared to last year, I'm told. We get in the creek, and I get in my little kayak dinghy, and I'm start paddling. Figuring it out, everything's fine. We hit the first little ripple, everything's fine, and from a little Farther than 60, 80 yards downriver, Forrest says, hey, whatever you do, don't go left. I heard it. I heard it. I shouldn't have been the next in line. That was my first mistake. Second mistake is I went left. Made it through the first dip. And as Nathan states, he fell out in the same rapid after me because he was following his dad. (laughs) He said he looked up and the wave was here and he was here. And I didn't even see that. I flipped underwater, hit a rock, bruised, bruised, breath knocked out of me, come up underneath the boat, can't get to the top, taking in water, hit a rock again. I really thought I was going to die, and my face showed it. Everybody on the river that saw my face knew he thinks he's going to die. Didn't die. I'm standing here today. But he stated the rule. Do not go left. I almost paid because I did not adhere to the rule. The Pharisees in this passage, they understood the law. The law was do not commit adultery. At least they got the part of the law where they were not supposed to outwardly commit the act of adultery. But Jesus... Jesus does not just deal with outward actions. Jesus deals with the totality of the action. Just to be clear this morning, just to be clear, Jesus knows your heart. You need to understand that you cannot keep a secret from the Savior. You cannot keep a secret from the Creator. Jesus 
knows your heart. Teenagers pay close attention to me for the remainder of the time, but especially the next few seconds. Teenager, he knows the hormones that are running through you right now. He created those. He knows them because, and he placed them in you because they are changing you from a girl to a woman. They are changing you from a boy to a man. He knows the thoughts that you have toward others that you come in contact with. He knows the words that you use toward those others. And in this passage, teenager, he is saying to you and he's saying to all of us, you shall not commit adultery. The thoughts and the lustful intent and the desire in your heart as a teenage boy or as a teenage girl is to be squashed because it's sin. Sir, he knows how you look at the opposite sex. He knows how we as men look at ladies. How you cut your eyes. He he knows the thoughts that you and I have. Toward His creation. His creation. Ladies. He knows your thoughts. He knows your desires and your conversations that you have with yourself. He knows your wishes about security and about love and how you look at another couple, another man instead of your husband. He says, man, I wish that I had him in that situation. Jesus knows Everything. And if that is true, and it is, if one is going to overcome a particular sin, they must first stop the root of the issue. Then everything that comes along with that issue or that sin will be dead. This is amazing. If if you look at this passage... You take a moment and just just meditate on it. Let it marinate in your mind. It is amazing. Remember, Jesus has already given us the answers. Remember, in verses 2 through 10, He has said, here are the attitudes of the kingdom that every kingdom citizen must have. Because when you get your attitude right, Brian Tillman, not talking to anybody else, when you get your attitude right, Brian Tillman, then your actions will be right. How I like to say it, and I've stated it a number of times before, I'll keep stating it, is this. When you and I believe, when we have faith in the right direction, and we turn our feet in that particular direction, guess what? Feelings will come. If you have faith in the right thing, and you start moving toward that, feelings will come. Here's what he's stating here. He's saying if those of you on the, the mountainside as I'm preaching to you, those of you in Riverbend Church this morning, the building Riverbend Church this morning, if you and I would get our attitudes right, guess what? The actions will flow from that. We 
want the action before the attitude. Do you see the treacherous aspects in the passage? Let's see the interpretation. Second point this morning is this. Not only do we see that the law is clearly stated, but second, we see that the interpretation or the application is just as clear. The application is just as clear as the law itself. If there's a tricky part, maybe this is it. Not getting this part, not understanding the interpretation or not understanding the application of this to our lives is vital. It's vital for us to understand it so that you and I might have victory. The law has been stated. Jesus knew this, and when he's teaching here, he was seeking to do at least two things. The first, he was teaching to inform the people the truth about the law. You've got to understand this. The law isn't just for the outward appearance. It's not just for the action that is is done or not done. But second, he was also teaching to correct the tradition of Jewish leaders, Pharisees, and their heart condition. And they didn't like it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you, how many of us, like it when we are told we're wrong? Most of us, probably not. To understand what Jesus is teaching here, We need to understand what adultery is, and we need to understand what lust is. What is adultery? Adultery is plain and simple this. Any sex with any person, including yourself, outside of marriage. That's adultery. Any sex with any person, including yourself, Outside a marriage relationship, that is adultery. What is lust? In this context, in this passage, here is the definition for lust. It is a strong sexual desire for. It is to look upon, to desire something or someone that is not yours. John wrote it this way. After hearing what Jesus stated in Matthew chapter 5, John, looking back on that, teaching about this topic to those in Ephesus more than likely in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, here's what he says. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, catch this, verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world's passing away, folks, along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Lust has to do with attitudes and the inner person. 
Lust has to be dealt with for victory over sin to occur. If you and I find ourselves possibly like those on that hillside, as I stated before, saying as Jesus was stating, you shall not commit adultery. If you find yourself thinking, well, at least I'm not like him or at least I'm not like her. Maybe my introduction to the sermon this morning brought up some memories of a couple of years ago as you look through the list of Mississippi, you look through the list of Tennessee, you look through the list of people that you might know of. Maybe your name was on the list. Maybe you have found yourself 15, 20, 40 years ago, 15, 20, 30 minutes ago, I don't know, in this situation that Jesus is commanding us not to be about. I love how Warren Wiersbe states it in his commentary. The look dealing with lust, the look that Jesus mentioned was not a casual glance, but a constant stare with the purpose of lusting. It is possible for a man, it is possible for a man to glance at a beautiful woman and know that she is beautiful, but not lust after her. The man Jesus described, here's the point. The man Jesus described looked at the woman for the purpose of feeding his inner sensual appetites as a substitute for the act. It was not an accident. It was planned. Sir, ma'am, student, maybe that's where you find yourself today. Planning out that next look. Planning out that next time that you see them to think this. Jesus says, if you and I are going to conquer this sin, if we are going to have victory over this sin, then the application of this in our lives is clearly stated and you must follow that statement. Twenty-something years ago, I found myself in a seminary classroom having to take a counseling class. I did not want to take a counseling class, but I had to take said counseling class so that I could graduate. So therefore, I sat in the class. And I was introduced to a book that I have gone back to over and over and over and over again. And I'm so grateful for the class. The name of the book is The Heart of the Problem. In the book, the author states that sin at its root is a heart issue. Sin. At its conception, at its basic form, it is a heart issue. And if you get your heart right concerning said sin, everything will be fine. If you don't get your heart right, then sin 
will dominate. Maybe in this room right now, there are men who want to leave their wives because she looks different than when you married her. Just a side note, you look different too. More than likely not for the better. Maybe there are ladies in this room. Ladies in this room that you find yourself more and more and more and more and your husband finds you more and more and more and more nagging at your husband because he's not doing this or he is doing this or he won't do that. For both of you, it's a heart issue. It's not their issue. It's a heart issue. Men lusting after the form of a lady is a heart issue. Jesus commands us, get your heart right and your feelings will follow. Get your heart right today, sir. Get your heart right today, ma'am. Start living that out and then for sure, for sure, where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. So my question for us, where is your heart in this matter? Where is your heart in the matter of adultery today? Where is your heart in the matter of lust today? Have you blocked off this part of yourself from God? And in doing so, He can't, He won't come in and clean you up here? Where's your heart on this matter? To finish the thought, Jesus makes a third point. A bold analogy is given to remind us of the seriousness of the issue. A bold analogy is given to remind us of the seriousness of the issue. There in verse number 29, and there in verse number 30, he gives a bold analogy. It's a hyperbole. I know it's hyperbole. But it is that strong. It is a hyperbole of the greatest magnitude. And you say, Brian, how do you know that this is a a hyperbole? Because if you look back two verses, he shows the outward action and he says that's not the issue. The issue is not the outward action. The issue is the heart. Let me be PG-13 for just a second. One of the uh, fathers of the faith was 
I don't know if Origen was a priest or not. He may have been a bishop over a city, but um, he found himself lusting. And um, he thought that if he would just do something on the outward physicalness of his body, i.e. take a sword and cut a couple of pieces of anatomy off of his body, everything would go away. And he wrote after that, because he did that. It is worse now than ever. It's not an outward action alone. You and I must get to the heart of the issue. We must deal with our heart, our thoughts, our attitudes. And Jesus gives this bold analogy just to make the statement. It would be better if that would be the case. For you to go to heaven, it would be better that you would just have a left eye and a left hand to be able to walk into eternity in heaven than spend it in hell. Jewish culture, Riverbend Church today, whatever measures need to be made, please make every effort to get your heart right on the issue of adultery and on the issue of lust. Because you and I will not have victory until you and I find it in Christ. As I close, let me make a couple of statements. Some of you here this morning, as I stated a few moments ago, maybe this has already happened in your life. Maybe it's already happened. Maybe it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Maybe it was two nights ago. I I don't know, but this has already happened. The act of adultery, sin of adultery, and the sin of lust is not unforgivable. Do not think for one moment, sir, ma'am, teenager, do not think that you are the first to ever walk that road because you are not. Do not minimize your sin either. Don't maximize it and say there's no hope for you because there is hope and His name is Jesus. And He has paid every single price to give you the victory and the forgiveness of that sin, no matter what the sin is. Do not minimize it and say, well, that's just how the culture... That's not how the culture is to be. You are a citizen of the King. You are a kingdom citizen. And He says for you and He says for me, do not commit adultery. He says to you and He says to me, do not lust. And the reason He can say it is because He has given victory over both of those. So don't minimize your sin. Don't maximize it. Come to the foot of the cross and give it to Him. And that's where every single one of us need to be today. Every single one of us. We need to be at His at His feet, thanking Him for the grace, thanking Him for the mercy, thanking Him for the forgiveness, and resting there. Do do you know what it feels like to have sin taken off of you? It is so free. Don't walk around any longer 
Do not walk around any more with the weight of sin on you because He has given you forgiveness. Rest today there. Jesus states to those on that hillside, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. River Bend, sir, ma'am, student, don't commit adultery. Do not do it. You've also heard it from Christ who says, but let me tell you this. If you have lusted after another in your heart, you have committed that sin, the sin of adultery, in your heart already. Two things. Number one, if you've done that, don't physically go do it. That would be a second sin. Okay? Don't act it out physically. Number two, ask forgiveness of that sin, of lusting after an individual in your heart. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for that. Please forgive me. I understand what you're saying. I say the same thing that you say. It is sin. Don't maximize it. Don't minimize it. And for every single one of us this morning, run to the cross. Run to the cross. We need Him. Be thankful for what He's done. Because He did it for you. In this area and every other area. Heavenly Father, I pray that we might find victory here today. God, I in this room, Lord, in this room... There are those who are bound by this sin. I know that they are. Father, would you give victory this morning? Father, I pray that you would work in the hearts of the teenagers. You would work in the hearts of the men. You would work in the hearts of the women. Every single one of us in this room, we would know that your Spirit is speaking, speaking encouragement, speaking love, speaking conviction to stop, to come back. Because you know what is best. Father, relationships are are hurting right now because of this. God, would you mend relationships today Would there be forgiveness between men and women, between couples? God, would you bring restoration? For we need it. Father, would you be glorified? Because you are good. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. And I don't know what God would have for you to do. Whatever He asks, Right now, church, whatever he asks, obey. You stand and join us as we sing our time of response this morning.